you can be successful, but if everyone else isn't being successful, that's really bad for honestly the company as a yeah. whole. And so it doesn't matter if you're successful. If the company is not successful, then that success is gonna run out. Hi, I'm Mark Gagne. And I'm Chris Corcoran, and you're listening to Tech Sales is for Hustlers. Tech Sales for Hustlers is a podcast where we catch up with Memory Blue alums and reminisce about their start in high-tech sales with us. Let's go get some, Corcoran. Gagne, you know I'm ready. Christian Chanter, in the house. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. How about you guys? CC. <laughs> We're doing great. Dude. From one to another. <laughs> that's, that's right. Two CCs. You better watch yourself, Kanye. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit, you know, for Chris and I and for the audience, mm-hmm. we get to know you. Tell us yeah. about where you're from, where'd you grow up, like what background. Hey, background. Yeah, that's about it. yeah, no, I'm uh, a Christian, obviously. Yep. From, uh, I'm from originally Dallas, Texas, specifically okay. Grapevine, you know, like the DFW area. I don't know. So tell, give me it's like where is it? Northwest okay. of Dallas. So, like, kind of right in the middle of Dallas and Fort Worth. So, I ended up actually going to high school in Fort Worth. Came to Austin because I went to the University of Texas. Book them and I'm excited for the game this weekend. But uh, yeah, let's back up a little bit though. Like, so growing up, siblings? No siblings. Okay. So I was actually originally adopted from Korea. Wow. Okay. So came over from, was uh, born in Kroji City, Korea, three months old, came over to America, and then just kind of had my entire childhood in DFW. I went to private Catholic school. Okay. My entire childhood. So that was very interesting bringing. Big school, small school? Decently big. Okay. I mean, small for Texas, but yeah. I'd say big for anywhere else. About a, a thousand people in okay. high school. So All right. um, Texas, usually, I think most of the classes were like three to 4,000. So mine was like on the smaller end, but yeah, pretty pretty big class. Yeah. What were you like as a youth? Is it youth? The, the youth CC. Yeah, very energetic. I was like, I just had to kind of do a lot of things all at once. So I like to kind of, you know, branch out and did like different things. I did a lot of it with music. So I played piano since I was about five. Did a lot of competitions and stuff like that. Okay. Tickling um, the ivories. Yes. <laughs> so did a lot of that. Oh, and, that's a lot of dedication. Yeah. How many hours did you have to practice like in a week? <laughs> I have to practice about three hours every single day. Yeah. We are um, yeah. So Dude, that's dedication corker right there. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. <laughs> there was no CC. <laughs> CC over here. Growing up, was it, wasn't doing three hours yeah. a day of not playing piano every day. Practicing, practicing it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so same with MG. Yeah. I, was, I was practicing being the doofus. <laughs> Master of fine art, <laughs> accomplishing nothing. Yeah. It's like the, Dude, but I think that's an amazing thing because the pieces you were playing were talking about things that take months and months and months to learn. Yeah, right. You have to memorize all of them too. So it, yeah, it's like a, it's a process. It's definitely a process. So, Huge, what does that teach you? I mean, it teaches you a lot of dedication and like slowly, like kind of just keep going at it. Like it's yeah. one of those things where. You know, the more you do something, the more you see you kind of chip away at it. And then you'll kind of hit a point where you're like, okay, like I've made a huge jump. And so when it came to piano, was naturally pretty good at it, but obviously still required some practice. And so when it came to memorization and stuff like that, um, we, you know, playing the song, okay, I've got the song down. Like that's like the step one. And then step two is going to memorize the first page, memorize the se- second page, yep. and then you put it all together. It's dynamics. Yeah. The tempo. Yeah. Right, and the chords, and the left and the right hand. Yeah. It's ridiculously complex. Yes, it's very hard, and it really it really teaches you hand-eye coordination. That's a yeah. big one that definitely was pretty thankful for, actually. All so, right. Yeah. So energetic, piano, comp, what else? Yeah, so I did. I also did band in high school. So All I right. played trombone when I was in high school, and a little bit of jazz piano in that. So okay. did a lot with music in my childhood. Like, played basketball, a few other sports. Okay. It was, like, pretty musically inclined, and that's kind of... That was kind of the big part of my childhood. It was definitely a lot of music, a lot of like just trying new things with music and stuff like that. But when you were in high school, what you think you wanted to see grew up? I was kind of all over the place. Yeah. I like wanted to do like film, act, like direct, do movies, stuff like that. I also wanted to do like, I like different sciences, like neuroscience, psychology, stuff like that. Thought about doing things in that field. Really kind of just anything and everything, like any new interest I had was kind of like, okay, maybe I could do something with this. 
piano was considered at one point, mm-hmm. you know, being able to do something with that, maybe in like an orchestra or something, but mm-hmm. none of it, you know, all, all of it was kind of just, you know, almost like I dreams, like just like mainly, like, I think that the core of everything was like, I just wanted to like help people out and be like, not the center of attention, but kind of be like, I, I like being at the forefront of things, you okay. know, not like, I don't really like doing the background work as much. I like to be more the face of things. Was so, anyone in face man? Sorry. Face. <laughs> Like to keep it right, right in front for everyone to kind of see. So, so if you were in a band, you'd be the front man. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually in a band in high school, so I, I was the lead singer. So, of so. Yeah, were. Rats, yeah. dude, you were the face. Yeah. Rats, <laughs> what was the name of the band? We didn't actually have a name. We okay. did it for a talent show, so it was one oh, one in God kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyone in sales in the, in the family? In the no, so sales like ever. My uncle did sales, so he worked for Nike. Yeah, he did Nike. He works for, I believe he's at Columbia now, but yeah. he did stuff with, he, he's done a lot of sales. He essentially did like big business to business sales for like retail companies, stuff like that. But no, my, I grew up mainly in an airport family. So my dad worked for the FAA. Okay. All my friends' parents are pilots. Okay. It was very like, I mean, Dallas, huge airport. So sure. very involved with kind of like the more of like the aviation side. Sure. Yes. Yeah. So knew aviation pretty well, but sales was kind of, I had like, uncle or two that you know one of another one worked for honda and did car sales and stuff i think he did more on the bigger business side but yeah i was never really had anyone that was directly sales connected that i was like i guess influenced by when i was younger yeah so you go to ut yes and what did you ultimately decide to study so i studied radio television film uh, rtf wanted to just kind of see what i could do with film the film school at ut is like one of the best in the world it's i think when i was there we were ranked like 13th okay for film schools so very very good and like now math mcconaughey teaches there they've had a lot of other you know big things happen with that film school yeah but um yes he did yeah yeah so he was a so i had teachers who actually had taught him and like some other people like wes anderson has also gone through that film school Owen Wilson was in and out one for him, like a lot, Fair Fawcett, like a lot of big yeah. names. So it was, it was an interesting experience. Austin actually has a very booming film scene, surprisingly. So it's actually pretty interesting being able to like work on different people's films, do what they want to do. Richard Linklater, you know, shot a lot of his films out here in Austin. That's how I met McConaughey. So it's definitely like a much more vibrant film scene out here, but it's a little, it's a different kind of vibe than. Like the LA film scene or New York film scene. It's okay. like its own kind of like different sort of genre. Okay. Almost. Yeah. And so where were you going? Where did you want that to take you? I really wanted to go out to LA, see kind of what I could do out there. But the more I got into film school, the more I kind of learned, it did more. Just realized like it's very difficult. It's a lot of work. And you're gonna be doing, you know, editing is is probably the easiest way to kind of get into film is being a film editor. And you're going to be looking at like 60, 50, 60 hour weeks consistently, maybe even longer for pay. That's really not like compensating you for the amount of time you put in, mm-hmm. you know? So I, when I was in college, actually, I realized this and that's when I first got looked into sales. I got my real estate license my junior year because I just wanted to do, you know, I wanted to kind of what you put in is what you get, right? So with sales, like you can actually put in a lot more work and you're going to, if you put in more work, you're going to get more out of it. And so I saw that in real estate and that's where I was, a, it was opportunity in college. Didn't have a car, had to go show everybody by walking them around from apartment to apartment, but kind of just gave me an idea of like, okay, this is something I could actually work with instead of film was more hope we go out to LA and then hope we make it big. You know, hopefully we'll be one of the few people that can make, you know, millions yeah. of dollars in this. And yeah. it's just, it's a lot to like kind of put on the line to have nothing come out of it. And yeah. so I made a sort of a pivot, got my degree, but got my real estate license, you know, doing that. When so. you were at a film school within UT, right? Mm-hmm. Do they ever talk about that? Like how difficult it is in yeah. the industry? Oh yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they keep you aware. I mean, I think that's part of being in a good film school is like knowing, like, first off, they want to hone your skills. Yeah. But they also want you to be aware, like this is an industry where you know, it's not everyone's successful. I mean, it's definitely told like, like if you expect to kind of, you know, always expect that you're going to be successful in something, but if you go in and think you're going to be successful like that and not have to do any work or do very little work and kind of you'll get there, it's not attainable and it's not yeah. realistic. Yeah. So um, it was, 
It's very interesting. It's definitely interesting to hear it from people who also were already in the industry. All of the professions I had were very like tenured in the industry, like had actually created a lot of things. I had one professor who taught documentaries and he had won like numerous awards for his, you know, documentaries and stuff. And he just kind of tells you like, you're going to put a lot of work into this stuff. And sometimes people just don't want to, don't watch your recipient. What percent of the kids that you graduate with are in the business? I honestly can't say. I do know. I had a guess. I'd say probably still like 70, 67 okay. percent of those people. All right. It might be less. I do have, I have a fraternity, a pledge brother. He's in the, he's in the film industry. That's been pretty decently involved. He was on Barney for like six years. Okay. And then he was able to kind of move out to LA and actually turn that into some sort of success. So I don't know. I think of Barney. I don't know. What's Barney? Like the kids show. Oh, Barney. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's what I know. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Mark was famous for doing what's called Barney. Yeah. Relationships. (laughs) 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 Do you want to? Yeah. Maybe I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. dude. That's why I didn't even know what Barney was. Go ahead. What you you share? So Mark, his previous experience was in the channel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And he used to he used to be famous for coming up with these Barney relationships. And essentially, it would be you'd sign on a, a partner, and you'd say to the partner, "I love you." And the partner would say, "I love you," and nothing would ever happen. And they, were, they were famously called Barney relationships. Do you remember those now, Mark? <laughs> Why are you gonna bring the channel to it, bro? <laughs> not bringing the channel all the you all those married people who love from the channel are upset I right know, now this, this <laughs> no, is not channel man this is like this is Mark Gagne things it's not the channel it's the player <laughs> alright Christian back to you alright brought up Barney Barney yeah. <laughs> my good old friend alright alright so you had this the real estate bug right mm-hmm. and then you still look, is that still something in your life now? Not as much. Okay. I uh, kind of fell out of it. Real estate was, it's very, it's fun, but it's very competitive. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I, I don't know. I kind of wanted to get, get into something. But it there. triggered the sales. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So yeah, I like real estate. You know, the best part about it was, I mean, ours was no base salaries. It's a hundred percent commission. So what you get is what you get. Yeah. And so like, it was interesting. I mean, it, it, it's a grind for sure. Yep. It was a lot of cold calling specifically just getting lists of like all the incoming freshmen and just calling as many as I can and and seeing, you know, obviously like most of them live in the dorms or, you know, stuff like that. So they don't really know about apartments and talking with parents and stuff that have no idea kind of the whole process. So it's kind of when you get those people, you're able to kind of, you know, walk them through, show them places, and then eventually hopefully you know, get them to sign, get a commission out of the lease. So I was mainly doing leases. Okay. Like that. Yeah. So not not actual home sales. So just, yeah, yeah. No worries. So so but then but it that was a taste of selling. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But whether you know positive, negative, whatever, that was something you're not getting in the film school. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so you get out of school. Uh huh. What happened? Yeah. So I want to figure out how you got into memory blue. How you got into sales? Yeah. So. When I got out of school, I was doing, obviously still doing real estate, mm-hmm. decided to do the property management side of it instead. Okay. Um, just made myself a consistent, real you know, base salary, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just did a job out of, out of college. I mean, so work property management. And the goal of that was kind of to help me develop more real estate wise and work with other agents and stuff like that. Unfortunately, it was just more so a kind of busy work. And I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed doing it, but it was, it's also one of those things where it's a very stressful job. But when you're talking property management, no one's calling their property manager to tell you, Hey, you're doing a great job. Like no, no <laughs> has ever told a property manager that they're doing a great job. Yeah. Like, so most of the calls you're getting are people just angry about something. They need something fixed. Like something is broken and they need, you know, like their car might've gotten broken into like, it's usually like something where to do with the property. Uh-huh. And so it was just very like, stressful and you're kind of dealing with some people that you like it's b2c essentially and when i realized you know working with a business to directly with the customer the client it's just they can kind of say whatever they want they're representing themselves not representing a company and so people tend to be a little bit ruder they tend to not not really care kind of what they're saying and stuff and so i went from property management and actually worked 
at a cold calling center just for real other real estate agents doing that and realized I was pretty good on the phones. I was able to get, you know, we had to get in a four, I'd work like a four hour shift. It was only like, you know, part time. Um, they expect you to get like two meetings per shift. I could easily get like, you know, three to four pretty easily each time. Like it's, it was not, it's, it's, no, it's more of a quantity thing. We had like a dialer down five people at the same time. Oh, wow. Whoever okay. picks up, that's what it would take. So, you know, kind of just powering through these lists. And that was like where I realized like, okay, like the cold calling side of it is really not like as difficult as I thought. Like it's essentially just talking to people kind of like what we're doing now and just like gauging interest, seeing if they have any sort of interest at all buying or selling a home. And if they don't, not wasting any time, kind of getting on to the next one. And so that was kind of where I realized like, I, I like kind of doing this. Okay. But out of college, you know, I did real estate since my junior year. I was kind of already kind of working these office stuff and I just kind of needed a break at a certain point. And so I actually quit um, and worked downtown in a bar for, I'd say, better part of a year. Okay. And then actually while I was there. Um, what were you doing there? I was bartending, bar backing, just doing everything. It was fun. I mean, I really enjoyed the job. It's kind of one of those that you can kind of, you know, do whatever you want and have a good time, especially when you're 23, 24, mm -hmm. you know, working on a bar, it's great. There's so. a town to do that in, Austin, <laughs> Texas. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, this is the place to do that. Definitely. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was a lot of fun. It was right downtown. So it's, you're like in the middle of everything, you know, Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Thursday nights too, always really busy. So I, I did like doing that, but actually while I was doing that, you know, I, God did it for about a year. Really, I have a degree. I did to do something with yes. it. Yeah, horns, horns up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, hook up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I realized, you know, I have a degree. I should probably do something with that. And uh, I got a call from I can't remember who it was, but I, I put on my LinkedIn that I was looking. I just updated it. Called me and was like, "Hey, you know, would you like to come in for an interview for Memory Blue?" had no idea who memory blue was had never heard of memory blue right she described it and was like you know that's great i, I think i remember who it was i can't remember okay. uh it was, it was like yep. in 20 i think it was 2018 okay 2019 um and i started in the fall of 2018 yeah so but yeah so it was 2018 but what happened was i was going on a trip to thailand okay and so when i told her i was like i'm gonna be gone for like at least a week probably two weeks i'm going on this trip and she's like well that's not going to work. <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, okay. Like, I mean, I'm still interested in the role. Like, you know, is there any way, you know, maybe I can still interview and see what's going on. Just like, honestly, like, let's have your trip happen. We'll kind of see what goes on with that and then reach back out, you know, afterwards. And so I went on this trip to Thailand, had a really good time and, you know, a month or two passed and I figured I'd already lost the opportunity. You know, you don't really get like multiple chances at sure. things. And so, Looked on the website, you know, I remember her reaching me out, looked on the website kind of on a whim and was like, you know what? I'll reach back out, see if they're still hiring okay. and work. So I was able to get the interview and uh, yeah, that, that was that. So that, and then who'd you interview with? I interviewed with Christina. Okay. Christina Rule. Yes. Yes. And uh, I don't think Nimid did my interview. Okay. I, I know he was. Who's there? It was, it was mainly Christina. Okay. Um, Tina. Yes. Yes. Okay, great. And what, what do you remember from that? Wow. That was, don't really remember. The interview was, it was interesting. I do remember, the biggest part I remember is the role play. I'd never done anything like that. Like, I knew what I was doing, obviously. Yeah. I've been on the phones before, uh -huh. but, you know, B2B is completely different. Not really that different, but it feels like a completely different animal when you get in there. So I'd written a, an entire script. I've been working with a bunch of other buddies that I, you yeah. know, that, that worked in, did cold calling a lot. And so uh -huh. I got like a whole script together, ready to go. And I remember getting in there and I was prepped for it to be like very difficult. A lot of objections, a lot of things I need to handle. And it was really like much easier than I expected. And it kind of was like, is this how all these calls are going to be? And it kind of was like there it's, it, it really translated pretty well into the like, actual call. Like there's a few more objections here and there. Obviously you got to know more about the business that you call it. Yeah. Up, but, um, yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, sounds like you were well prepared for it. I, yeah, I like to be more prepared for things than underprepared. I have an Eagle Scout, so okay, be prepared. You left that out early. You tried to sneak that back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Figured I'd just drop it. That's, it. No, that's, <laughs> that's another, uh, no, no, Chris did not, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Or me. Yeah. <laughs> You're an Eagle Scout too. Yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. What was your Eagle Scout project? 
Um, so I went to uh, in Grapevine. There's Lake Grapevine. There's like a little camping campsite area. Yeah. So I went and there's a bunch of ta- like concrete tables they already had out there. The numbers on them were the paint was coming off. There's about a mile and a half of, of land in between all those. So I went and repainted the numbers on, put some new tables out, and also put some numbers on those. And then I was able to map them on a GPS and give that to the city so they can start actually you could like reserve an individual table on their website oh nice so yeah cool yeah have you been back i have been back actually a few times the numbers are still like there it's obviously fading a bit but we went here and try to use some paint that state yeah but yeah that area has been it it, like right after i did that it was they were already expecting it to kind of like get much more populated it's pretty hot area just for families picnic stuff like that so great why are you holding out on us Right? Yeah. That's like, a big deal, man. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about your life. You should talk about that. This guy, that's a, that's a, quite an accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's one of those things. I don't know. I, I did it. I got my Eagle Scout when I was about 15 and kind of just, I don't know. It, it, it was like much more of like a part of who I was already. And so I tried to distance for a little bit, but now it's kind of like one of those things. Obviously, yeah. great accomplishment, but extremely impressive. Yeah. Kind of realize, you know, as a kid, you know, I have to go camping once a month and do stuff like that. And you, don't want to do it. You want to stay in. You want to play video games. And, you know, I, I just wanted to kind of relax on the weekends. But now that I've done all that, it's like I actually know how to go camping. I can start yeah. a fire. I can tie these knots and do all this other stuff. It gives you once you get a little older, kind of a new view on uh, how important it is. That's <laughs> great. More stuff I can't do. Yeah. <laughs> and, and plus, when you go camping, they can't bring the piano with you. Yeah. So, well, sometimes you can. Yeah, sometimes you can. <laughs> I've been there too for that actually. Not in all right. So, did the role play? You like? I'm in. What do you remember about it? I honestly wasn't sure. I felt like I did good on the role play, but you know, it's always, I'd done an interview for SHI also, and I thought I did well in that one as well and never got a call back. And yep. so was cautiously optimistic is how I'd say it. That's kind of how I go about all my job interviews at this point. Mm-hmm. It's very cautiously optimistic. So I, I had a good feeling about it, but you know, didn't want to like say it went one way or the other in case, you know, I thought one thing, yep. you guys thought another. And so kind of just, Waited it out. I think I got a call not that long after, like a day or two after, okay. letting me know, like, yeah, I got the wall. So that was a great day. You know, good time. It kind of just like took a lot off of, uh, of my chest because I was still working at the bar. And, you know, eventually you're kind of like, I need to be doing something that's making a little bit more money. Okay. So that was kind of a big reason for me getting out of that was just, it sure. was, it, it's a lot of like, you're on your feet for a long time mm-hmm. and you can feel the wear kind of happening on your body. Like I'd already had a, a moment where my back had got a tensed up at while I was doing some stuff. So listen to these 24 year olds talking about their body breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was the other thing. Like tw- I was like 24, 25 and uh, my body is like, like already kind of coming, coming apart. So Christian, you got a long road ahead, my man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely not a great indicator. Yeah, because already no. in pain. So. Exactly. All right. So you took the gig. Mm-hmm. What was it like when you started? It was interesting. I, I definitely feel like here they kind of they help you out, but they kind of just like put you in, like kind of throw you into the fire. Which I personally really like. I like that. I like yeah. kind of being able to kind of it's it's not handholdy. It's not really like going through and kind of like just kind of doing everything for you and like, and stuff like that. It's more so like, I remember that first week was just kind of here's Salesforce. Here's how you use it. Here's your email, stuff like that. And we want to get you started on the phone, you know, as soon as possible. And so it was a little intimidating, obviously getting on the phone first, especially calling, you know, the, I worked with DSG was the first client. It was very difficult. I'm selling the V playbook. And it's just one, it was one of those products where it was company training. And every company is going to try and keep their training in-house. Like no one wants to have like an external sales company coming in for their training unless they really, really need it. You know, like they're going to try and keep it in-house for as long as possible. And so it was interesting trying to figure out how to script that and, and talk to these people to get them to kind of see the other way. And then I, you're talking with titles, you know, I was talking the first meeting I got was a, I think a CFO. So talking with C-level people immediately off the bat was very like, pretty intimidating at first because you just see these files and you don't yeah you don't know how important this person is to the company you don't know kind of like their experiences and stuff like that and so you kind of expect them to be you know just like not better than you but like a new kind of experience it's the equal like, business stature thing. yes yeah. right that had a huge problem with that company that 
sales. Yeah. And I had the business to consumer still at door to door sales. Oh yeah. Well that to me wasn't as I don't know, was it as scary as calling somebody like your parents' age? Yeah. Who's been doing the same thing for twenty years, twenty five years, and you're interrupting their day. Yes. And you want to be respectful because that's kinda how you were raised. Mm -hmm. You need to be respectful, but you're interrupting this person's day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little intimidating. Yeah. And they're at work too. And you kind of are just like, you know, I don't want to step on any toes or anything, but you, I, you know, further you get in, you realize like, yeah, I'm not disturbing their day. That's why, you know, this is something that, you know, they need, Like you got to kind of shift your mindset to be like, you know, like I'm helping these people. Like this product I'm selling is something that can make their day-to-day life easier. It's not going to like make your life harder, you know? So like, if you actually like, you know, you kind of find the people that are stuck in their ways and don't want to do anything new. And you find the people that are willing to innovate, do some new things and then mm-hmm. to try like new products and new things like that to really ease up time in their day. And so kind of judging, being able to figure that out on the phone was really interesting. It's, it's an interesting process. It's a skill you learn. Yes. Yes. Develop. Yeah. And so like at first, obviously don't really know what you're, you're doing or, or saying, or <laughs> I like, hope that you don't say anything to kind of insult these people. But um, it was uh, definitely an interesting kind of going from B to C, talking to like people at home. You'll talk to people who are like, oh, I'm in the middle of dinner. Or, oh, like, yeah, I'm, I'm retired or stuff like that. And now speaking with people who it's like, this is their role is to like look at new things, take calls like this and kind of branch out for the company. And so I feel like when I, when I call up people, especially those from B to C, the people from B2B where it's much easier to speak with because it's, this is their job. Like they, they're expecting these kind of trust us. And yeah. so I actually enjoyed it a lot more. Wesley was not as difficult as talking to people where you have literally interrupted like the dinner or something. And mm-hmm. they're much more likely to kind of cuss you out or, or tell you how they really feel kind of stuff. So, yeah. If your sales team struggles to hit quota or generate qualified leads, Memory Blues Academy Prospecting Principles Training Program is the solution. Great sales training is time intensive and requires continuous guidance from sales experts. In this six-week course, our world-class facilitators use a hands-on learning approach to turn raw talent into industry-leading salespeople. From building targeted outreach lists to strategically overcoming objections, the key prospecting skills taught here create the foundation for strong sales performance. Our proven training cuts SDR ramp time in half and increases quota attainment by 89%. New cohorts launch twice per month. Head to memoryblue.com slash academy to see upcoming dates and secure your seat today. Who are you with? Were you on a team? Mm-hmm. You're on Team Tina? Yes. Who else was on, on the on the floor with you? So I started on Team Tina. I was with Sam, Julia Byrne was my Julia podcast let's go yeah she was my like i guess mentor yeah she helped me kind of get everything started Uh i got hired with nick foley okay um chelsea oh wow i can't remember her last name and and hallie okay so um worked with work it was the four of us that got hired and so and then i sat next to wills as well okay Uh, wills coleman yeah he was here yesterday evening yes yeah how what was that like it was interesting. I think I was the only one thrown on a different client. So okay. like those, you know, those three, they were able to kind of work together and, you know, work on their client and kind of talk with each other. And it was me and Julia, but Julia had a different section of, yeah. of DST. So was really kind of like not on my, well, kind of on my own and kind of had to figure out how to get this messaging out. Obviously, we were still working with Tina and everyone else, but it was kind of like figuring out, you know, how do I get the message out that these people need like a this deep playbook this like training mm-hmm. like essentially it's like a like a platform that you can put all your training resources on mm-hmm. and so like trying to figure out how to get these people to like drum up interest for that was kind of what i was kind of like a learning management system yeah a little bit yes like it's pretty similar to a learning management system um, wow who'd you learn from like who would you know if you're doing your thing who on that team or, or anyone else the opposite? Man, this person's pretty good. Like, I need to like, make sure I listen to what they're doing. I learned from pretty much everyone. Oh, really? I like to kind of listen in on everyone. I, I feel like when I first started, it was one of those things where it's like, I don't want to talk to anyone. Like, not talk to anyone, but like, 
I can do this on my own. You know, I, I think I got it. Like I've always been able to kind of figure I, it yeah, out. Yeah, experience, call people. He's right? Right. Yeah. He was flashing this eagle scout badge. Yeah. <laughs> Letting everyone know. Let me, you know who I am. You yeah. See this? You put it up on his queue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let him know there's a new sheriff in town. Yeah. <laughs> I like didn't really want to take any help at first. Okay. And then realized that's not the way to go really quickly. Yeah, <laughs> um, learn if you're learning from yourself and all you're doing is making mistakes. So let's have the work from your house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And not for experienced people, but for people who are new to this role. Yes. Yeah. And so I went to the people who I went to. Will's helped me out a lot. Julia really helped me out a lot. They obviously are the more tenured people. Uh huh. Tina would help me when she can. She's obviously busy. So it's kind of one of those ones where. You know, I would get her help when I could get her help, but the yeah. other people on the team were obviously much more readily available. They're not like going into meetings and stuff all the yeah, time. She's so. a professional. Yes. Like, yeah. She was really good. Delivery. She was very good. But yeah. Right. They, they got a bunch of stuff going on their day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you learn from your teammates. What do you, what do you remember learning from that? I just remember kind of, I mean, a big thing was like, ignore the title. That was definitely something that was a kind of almost like a hurdle. It was kind of like, ignore the title. Like at the end of the day, these are just people you know they, they have these roles and stuff but there's there's still people like they're not better or worse than you they're just we're all equal in the same plane yeah and so figuring that out was was useful and then just listening to their calls and see how they talk to people i mean it's really yeah it's hard to pinpoint kind of what exactly like specific things i took it was just like lines that i'd hear i know like tip of the spear was a big one that i know people use kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that one. I would change it up. I don't like it in the right context. I like where they're going with it, but I don't like how some people deliver it. Yeah, I'm not talking about Will's and Julia. But. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those. I mean, they didn't really. It was mainly Foley that would use that okay. line. I'm, I'm, Foley. Yeah, because I know he he He's knew. Yeah, well, he knew some people coming in. I think he, he knew like a Lebay okay. and Ruben and some uh, of them. Yeah, no, man, no. yeah. Will. yeah. So he already had an idea of what to say on the phone. I was kind of just. Figuring it out, seeing what works, what doesn't. So yeah, tip of the spear. I remember saying that a lot, and I was like, I, I kind of want to change this up. It's like more like you know, top of the glacier, right. things like that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I've got this the entry point, like this level, because I, I did feel too like being honest with these people, letting them know, like they know that there's people that people are going to be calling them, to essentially set a meeting so that they can meet with an AE and actually you know get the information they need and set up some times and get the contract and everything going and figuring that out like was kind of key to just like letting like making sure that they know like that they're ex- kind of almost expecting these calls okay. in a way so and what did you get good at what was like christian's like you know move or superpower yeah honestly i think i kind of just like I, I just like to kind of talk and so talking to these people just like letting them know off, off the bat like you know i'm not i don't know everything i'm just i i can tell you certain things but the whole reason for me to call you is to kind of drum up some interest for you and get you to kind of really go and see more and and get some interest going and kind of just letting people know that like i'm i'm kind of just at that starting point you know mm-hmm. but like if you do have some interest and in really digging into those like problems that people have getting into that pain yeah i never really had a go-to i think i kind of just i'd play it by ear whichever way the call was going okay. um, you know there's sometimes you get someone on the call you can tell immediately they don't want to talk to you mm-hmm. and so sometimes it's just the timing of everything you know so i got better at being able to okay sounds like this isn't a great time i'll i reach back out at another time and typically you can get those people right back so um it was always interesting doing that but i i I honestly would say the biggest thing I did was this volume of calls. I did a lot of calls. I was probably, I was doing over a hundred calls every day. I think the most dials I made a day was like 200 mm-hmm. and like 40 or something mm-hmm. like that. Wow. So, and that was obviously a lot of people were not answering the phone that day, but yeah, I was just making sure to have a high volume of calls. Cause like the more you, it's the quantity, you know, aspect of it like you get and the more people you get on the line the higher chance you have of someone saying yes so that's probably my biggest thing was just making sure i made as many dials as possible okay. yeah we're, we're, so you're in the role working with the team learning what works what does it what your what your kind of superpower is it sounds like you as experienced and perspective and getting over you know really adopting an equal business stature mindset mm-hmm what did you think you wanted to do? Like, there's some clients that jumped out at you more than others or like, okay, the sales thing. Now you start to see 
you're passing these leads to the client's APs. Yeah. Right. And you're getting a feel for what they do every day, mm-hmm. you know, how they handle the calls that you set up. Yeah. I actually really, I was so open to anyone, honestly, that there were a few that kind of stood out. I worked with AM Transport, which was more of a logistics company. And that <laughs> one I liked just kind of, it, it wasn't like a super difficult kind of call to make a lot of these people are willing to kind of try out some new lines and see some new companies and have them try out and it was interesting too the guy the guy i worked with was also like he was in charge of like marketing and sales and he did like he kind of he did everything and he was really willing to like get out some new marketing material Uh like work with us like constantly like it actually felt like i was a part of his like sdr team yeah sometimes people treat it like a client like you're just a client yeah and it's difficult to kind of get them to change the strategy because you don't work for them and so you can be telling them kind of what you're hearing on the ground stuff like that and they just don't want to they don't want to listen they think that their strategy is the way to go and so working with them it gave me an idea of kind of the type of company I want to work with, which what was when, you know, you're on the team, you can tell them what's happening, you can tell them what they need to be changing or need to be not changing. So you like work with clients that were interactive with you. Yes. Right. And kind of yes. use what we did as more strategic mm-hmm. versus just like showing up weekly calls and asking for results. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of, it, it was more of like a, it felt more like a teamwork thing instead okay. of like, okay, did you get meetings this week? Okay. Why not? Okay. Well then let's change that. And like, it, it felt like, cause of David, it was the guy's name on and transport. He was willing to work and like change things up, like change. Okay. Well, how about we do this kind of line or this okay. kind of line for it? And so they had like, you know, they called, um, their like refrigerated lines, the reefer line. So that was like, their they're like, sometimes that'd be more popular in certain areas. And so like, he'd be willing to kind of push messaging for certain things. He'd actually get us marketing materials based off of the things we're telling him yeah. about what we're hearing. That's and good. So, yeah, it was always, it was very, it was a very like hands-on, like it felt like I was actually part of the company. And so it gave me an idea of, okay, like this feels like, you know, where I want to kind of be. Unfortunately, AM Transport had to, they, I think something financially kind of came up and mm-hmm. they were had to drop us. But that was like a really good experience for me. I really liked working with that one. And how did that translate into where you wanted to move? Yeah. I started thinking about what you want to do because you were with us for for 15 months. 15 months. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So you saw all sorts of things. You saw yes. people getting hired by clients. You saw people getting promoted internally. Yeah. Right. So DM roles, sales roles. Yeah. What were you kind of thinking? And then, you know, great viewer, I think that's a lot of people don't have the fortitude. Right? Yeah. To kind of get to that milestone that you got to. Yeah. As you were approaching that, where did you think you wanted to go? Definitely want to do the AE side. So definitely was yeah. like really wanted to work closing, doing the actual mm-hmm. like full cycle process. Really gave me an idea of kind of like, okay, like I I like, like this is like SDR works like that foot in the door. And then I want to do more of like quiet relationship. Actually, now that I've got the foot in the door, actually talking to them, actually forming a relationship with these people, actually like doing like the full cycle and getting people to actually get interested in, and really kind of, you know, just interacting with people okay. and it was more it, i i got like the initial okay this is the initial side now i kind of want to actually like contribute and help out these like companies i'm working for and actually bring clients in and like be like hey i got that client for this company you know i was able to bring in this much business and so that kind of was like i got an idea of what the first part is now i want to kind of get into the into the more like everything you know so yeah definitely might want to do more of the closing side so nice. So how'd you get there? So I'm still working with the um, SDR side as of right now. My company is, they're still growing. And so I'm obviously still actively looking for new AE roles and stuff like that. With what we're selling right now, it's pretty intense. It's very, um, you need a lot more industry knowledge than, you know, I I worked. So when I left Memory Blow, I went to a education software company. And that one is a little bit more straightforward. The deal cycle, I think, was more like three months. Okay. What were you so selling? I was selling, I specifically sold the course evaluation software. Oh, so okay. they had six different products, essentially helped in all varieties of universities. And so I mainly sold the, it was called Evaluation Kit. Okay. And that was where it was just selling, like, essentially just calling people and seeing, like, how are your course evaluations going? So at the end of every like, semester. Yep. All the students take that little Scantron and, and turn it in and we got it to be digital. Ah. And so it was the most successful product they had. Yep. And so we were able to do that. Unfortunately, pandemic strikes. 
was unfortunately laid off with the entire SDR team. Half the sales team was laid off. Head of sales, I think, was also let go. It was like a big education software was not very hot when the pandemic struck, yeah. especially since everyone was working, going home and yeah. sure school was going to be in session. And so that kind of, you know, it wasn't great, but you know, you kind of learn like it's, it was not my fault, you know? Yeah. So yeah, can't really control a global yeah. pandemic. Right. So, so you leave there for the pandemic and then, and then how, what'd you find next? Yeah. So that one was in a little bit of a limbo for a bit and then was able to find my current company, Lyra Health. And so we're a mental health care benefits company. So you need to be really involved with- It's hot right now. Yes. Very hot. And it's involved with the um, benefit side of companies like insurance side. Okay. So, and healthcare side, which is a completely new animal. I know some memory blue clients have been in the healthcare industry yep. and just like, Talking with some of those people in the past, like I knew kind of how big the industry is and how like there's things changing constantly. There's a lot of moving parts in it. So what are you selling and who are you selling to? I work enterprise right now. We sell a, it's essentially just a mental health care benefit. We have our own network of providers. Okay. And so we essentially, like, we can be an EAP replacement, an employee assistance program replacement, okay. or we can be just an add-on to current services and, and stuff that you have. So very long process. It takes like, I'd say the sales cycles are sitting at six months is, is looking as quick and we'll have ones that go for years, you know, stuff like that. But it's a, it's interesting kind of seeing that whole process because you need to be able to kind of, you know, we'll have to speak with benefits consultants, you'll have to speak with people on benefits teams. Yep. Well, sometimes you call companies there. I'm calling companies that are about 3,000 to 10,000 employees Wow, typically. And for some reason, that's kind of a weird spot where companies haven't really fully fleshed out a benefits team yet. So they might have an idea of a benefits team, but no real true benefits team yet. And some companies have it like completely ready and done and good to go. And so when the company doesn't have that fully fleshed out, it's hard to kind of get in contact with the correct person who can, who can essentially be like, yeah, we can implement that or no, we can't implement that. And the titles change and stuff like that. Okay. So you're kind of navigating, navigating that. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of like trying to figure out, okay, this person might say, you know, benefits, but they're not actually involved with it. And sometimes you'll talk with someone who has a title that says benefits analyst, which typically is, you know, the lowest level, but they're actually in charge of the entire program. That's just their title. You know, we'll CC. Yes. What's the first rule of being an SDR? <sighs> Ignore the title. Ignore the title. You're right. right. Ignore, the title. <laughs> Ignore the title. Yeah. Yeah. So had to ignore the, yeah, it's an interesting kind of um, reach out. It's definitely, in order to become an AE there, all of our AEs are extremely tenured and very, very, you know, good at what they do. Sure. So getting a new opportunity in the field is, it's a lot more learning than, um, you know, some other roles to get in. Like for evaluation kit, you know, getting into that AE role is, it's obviously, it's not easy, but it's much more kind of straightforward sure. than with the benefit space. It's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So it's interesting. And I, I definitely want to do more of this company. I feel like we're really doing a lot, especially mental health care and that really being like a, a big thing during this pandemic. You know, there's just been a lot of incidents that have happened. People being at home sure. by themselves, you know, all day. It's, you know, people need human interaction and stuff like that. And so being able to provide mental health care services, it actually, you know, improves companies like they actually are going to have like, you know, better workforce, less burnout, less just like people just like not performing at their peak because they're not feeling at their peak. Mm -hmm. And so just helping those people out and really like making a difference in that space, I feel like is something that, you know, I like doing and I like kind of helping people out that. So kind of probably want to stay here for as long as possible. Speaking of helping people out, right? You obviously, I think you got a really good handle on the role. Right? On how, to, yeah. on how to execute the role. Yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> Undoubtedly so. Because you've been doing it for a while. Yeah. Not for that long, but like I mean, your career is a long-term career. Exactly. People get all, get it all twisted that get, they're still going out on an SDR. The, the, I, this is a good route to go. Yeah. My guess is you're working with people who have some best experiences here. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So how do you like that part of the game? Like the helping people develop their game and mentor people. It's interesting. Know. Yeah. Actually at my company, I was, um, cause we're, we're still very much startup -y. much bigger now. But when I started, I think I was like the 240th employee. Okay. The SDR team had three people before I got on. We okay. expanded to 10. Now we're sitting on about 30, 30, 35 people. That's within like two years. 
So, but when I started, a big thing for me was I got together a lot of people because it's all virtual. It's all work from home. Uh, so they're located at Berlin game in San Francisco. Okay. So everyone I, I worked with was all over the nation. Uh-huh. And so I made a point to kind of make a program that got everyone together and we called it a best practices meeting. Nice. Get everyone to kind of talk set about what's working. Yes. Yeah. Got that one set up. Why, why, why did you do that? Just want to, first off, kind of get everyone to kind of talk with each other, you know, as we interact. And then second off, I mean, like, we were a brand new SDR team. We really did not know. Like, there had been three people doing this for a, like a little bit of kind of a year. Yeah. And so, but they even were still developing processes and stuff like that. And so, just bring everyone in, hearing, like, what are common objections we're hearing? What are some things that are giving us some resistance? Like, mm-hmm. what what have you done in this situation to kind of turn this person and get them in? It really helped out, especially since, like, we didn't know what, yeah. you, know, you know, what to say to certain objections. I mean, certain objections we'd get, go to marketing, and they hadn't even heard that one. They're like, oh, wow, that's a new one. Like, yep. you should get some materials going for that ASAP. And so it was just, it's one of those things where I like, wanted to help get the team building and going and, and doing more. And so, yeah, it was just something I felt like just needed to happen. And, you know, when I first got on, I was struggling a little bit, you know, it's just, it's yeah. a weird space. It's your experience too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it was like, it was hard to kind of get into the role, especially with where I'd like certain people I'd worked with. I never worked, worked with healthcare. And then I finally had a month where I just like blew up. I had like, I think I had 10 meetings booked that month which was like, typically they expect us to get like three or four meetings a month. So I was able to get about 10 blew up and then kept going, kept hitting quota after that. And so, and, but the whole reason that even happened is I went to literally every single person that was performing well. Mm-hmm. I went to the people who were killing it at the SDR role, met with them at least once a week to figure out what they were doing, what they were saying, how they're messaging. And then I met with the top AEs in the role. We call them partnerships directors. Uh-huh. I met with a lot of those people to see like, okay, first off, did you do SDR work at all? And then second off, like what's making you successful at the partnerships director level? Mm-hmm. Cause there's, you know, they're hearing certain things. They go through the whole process. Sure. They'll hear things later on that it's like, that would have been great if we heard that earlier, we could have definitely addressed that, you know, in the initial call. And so hearing some of those later stage things and being able to well, bring them in was like a huge thing. I mean, even at Memory Blue, I'd worked with some of the AEs here. I worked with Bruce Horner. Oops. Yeah. So I'd work with him and he really helped me out. Like he'd take, like I'd actually go over and listen to my calls and give me some advice. And so I wanted to kind of pass that on to where I was currently at and kind of get, draw on their, you know, experience in these people. So that's another thing. Yeah. Right? That's another like, yeah, go find the people who are doing the job. Yes. Well, yes. They find out what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, and that was actually a big thing I did learn here was, you know, if someone's successful, there's a reason they're successful. Go talk to them, see what's happening. And so that's what I go and do. You know, if someone else is killing it, I want to know what you're doing. Like, how do I get to where you're at or exceed that? And then you brought it to the public forum. Yes. Right. You didn't keep it to yourself. Yeah. Some people will try and do, right. But you say, okay, let's all get on call and share this with everyone. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, hey, get the actual team to be yeah. successful. You know, I, I feel pretty strongly about, you know, like, you know, you can be successful, but if everyone else isn't being successful, that's really bad for honestly the company as a yes. whole. And so it doesn't matter if you're successful. If the company is not successful, then that success is going to run out. And so I just really wanted to make sure that we kind of had a process for doing, we still actually do the best practices meetings. You know, to this day, yeah. Did anybody so, tell you to do those? No, just felt like kind of getting some people together. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's going <laughs> Right? Like yeah. to be ready. You know, like to be prepared. <laughs> be prepared. So, hey, looking back, before you started as an SDR, if you could talk to you the night before you started as an SDR, what advice would you give yourself? Honestly, just kind of, I think, like, relax, be yourself. It could seem intimidating, I think, at first, especially coming from nothing. You know, you've never worked within corporate America, ever seen like the corporate side of stuff. It can be very intimidating to kind of get into the office life and think like, okay, I'm going to be talking with some like pretty big names, powerful people, stuff like that. Just kind of like go with the flow. You know, it's not as big of a deal as kind of like, like, at least in my head that I made it out to be. You know, I thought, you know, it's kind of make or break. You know, you hear things about sales where it's like, if you're not successful for X amount of time, they'll just let you go. Which, you know, can't happen at certain companies, but it's like your success, you know, you're, you're going to have up months and down months. And to, on the down months, especially, like not to get too in your head and think like, okay, like this might not be for me. 
just kind of put your nose back to the grindstone and keep going, you know, and, and eventually you will see success is kind of how I see it. So just keep going. It's a big thing. So. And, and your goal is to get into one of those closing roles. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. And like be patient. Sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, I mean, like always kind of be learning what's going on. There's a lot you can be learning while doing the SDR role. I mean, it does prepare you for the AE closing role. It's not like, yeah, it's not like they're two completely separate roles. They go pretty hand in hand. Yeah. So that's another thing too, is just like realizing the AE is just kind of like the advanced part of what we're doing. It's like the full role instead of kind of, this is more like the intro. And then the AE was kind of like doing up, like you do it all. You're doing the actual sale instead of kind of just like getting the conversation going and stuff like that, which, you know, I like getting the conversation going. It's pretty easy for me, but, um, you know, while we're continuing to maintain that relationship and do stuff like that is definitely on what I want to be doing in the, in the near future. Hopefully. So. All right. Yeah, I, I, you're, you're definitely get there. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if we can get people to come here and execute 15 months, they're going to be much better prepared for the next step. I think. Yes. Yeah. I, I the data suggests <laughs> the data, the data don't lie. So thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this was good. Lots of wisdom. Yeah. I like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, thanks CC. Really enjoyed our time together. Yeah. Thank you CC. Right back at you. <laughs> Memory Blue alumni. Are you looking for your next top performing SDR with the competitive drive, hustle mentality, and passion for sales that you can bank on? The Rising Stars program connects accomplished Memory Blue SDRs with alumni looking to expand their teams. Rising Stars have completed their SDR journey with us and are chomping at the bit to land a new and exciting high-tech sales opportunity. They've been professionally trained, coached, and mentored thriving in the very environment where you launched your career. Alumni like you hire Memory Blue Rising Stars because they can rest easy knowing they're hiring the best in the business. Learn how you can access this unique pool of sales talent by heading to memoryblue.com slash alumni. Thanks for listening to Tech Sales is for Hustlers. Please subscribe and leave a five-star review after the beep.